relationship with Four Points Church, how it started, is uh, I was coaching high school football as a guidance counselor and a coach. I'm going to get set up here for a second. It's, uh, but I was coaching high school football down at Woodruff. I was a guidance counselor. And uh, there was this crazy church that came and fed us breakfast on Thursday morning because uh, we fed our guys. We did a Thursday morning practice walkthrough before school with our team then. And we had this crazy church, Four Points, that fed us breakfast on several of those occasions, came down early and provided breakfast, hung out with the guys. And uh, then this same crazy church invited the whole football team and staff to come to a worship service and be a part of that service and then uh, fed us afterward. And that's, that's you guys. And that's, that's what Four Points Church has been about. It's reaching the least, the lost, and the lonely with the gospel of Christ and doing everything we can in our community to be able to do it. So that Sunday when we were invited, the, I stepped into what it was this morning, into the life-giving presence of God where the name of Jesus is being lifted up, powerful praise and worship, the anointing of the, of the Spirit of God flowing in this place. And that's why I think you should be thankful for your worship team here and for Shannon's leadership because they're amazing. They're, they're amazing. You don't get this everywhere you go. And, um, and then uh, on top of that, the love that was being shared uh, with everyone here in the house, the way people were serving and greeting you outside. You know, the popcorn was popping, and we had donuts out there, grabbing some coffee, and, uh, and, and it was just a great welcoming environment. And then on, even on top of that, the Word of God came forth with such power and precision and accuracy and the Spirit of God, and, and I know... Uh, Part of what brings us together on this common ground today is a love for Jesus and, his, and the body of Christ, a love specifically for Four Points Church, and uh, we have some mutual friends that have been heavy on our heart in recent days, and uh, I just want to say and give honor to, um, for whatever it is, I want you to know Mark and Leah are my friends, and, uh, and I love them dearly, and I'm aware of the blessing of God that has come to me through them, and so, and on top of that, the elders of this church are my friends, and uh, I hold dearly uh, everyone in this house as my friends, and so uh, several weeks ago, uh, the elders, the leadership approached me and asked if I would be willing to come in and, uh, and, and for several weeks to do an interim, and uh, and I initially hesitated and responded, I didn't want to just jump real quick. And about three days after uh, I was texted, um, I really sensed the Spirit of God just imparting some things to me that I knew I was supposed to do it. So we got breakfast and called up, and now here we are today. Um, I'm going to get through the introduction uh, here in a second, but I just want us to get comfortable with each other here. My wife and I met my wife in Ohio, so y'all take it easy on her. She's an Ohio State fan. Well, really, Reagan, take it easy on the Clemson fans because y'all got the best of us. Last year, you know, they played each other in the playoff the last two years, and we kind of we talked junk to each other until halftime, and then after that, we just both knew we needed to be quiet <laughs> and not say anything else to each other. But, you know, the Gamecock fans, y'all got to go back to the Outback Bowls to, you know, have an upper hand on the Buckeyes. <laughs> I'm just giving a hard time. We, we moved actually a, 
a year from today, we moved from Ohio to here. And so this moment has significance for us and the journey that we've been on. And over the next four weeks, you'll, you'll be able to understand a little bit. But if you'll turn with me in the word of God of John chapter 13, I want to read a verse of scripture here. And then we're going to jump right in. What is God doing at Four Points Church? And I just want to go ahead and tell you from the jump, he's not done. He's not done. And uh, there's so much more this left in store that God is doing in Four Points Church. He wants to do in all of you in our lives individually and in this church body together. Uh, the, my message theme over the next few weeks is before and after, before and after. Uh, I think we'll, we'll begin to see some of the life in this text here around this theme. John chapter 13, verse 1. Now before the feast of the Passover, Jesus, knowing that his hour had come, that he would depart from this world to the Father, Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. He loved them to the end. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we welcome your presence here today. We thank you for your life-giving word. Let the anointing of Christ flow in this place. Let a fresh grace flow in this place. Let your word be life and let your power be great, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Before and after. Uh, this text presents to us that there's a moment, uh, a powerful moment, a significant moment in the life of the early disciples. They're coming to the feast of Passover, and it's evident by the way that Jesus, the intensity of the text here in John, changes that this is a significant moment in the life of the disciples and in the life of Christ. A turning point has taken place here. Now, the feast of Passover, the Lamb of God himself is sitting at the table with his early disciples in a room that was prepared. And it's funny how God will begin to do a work in our life by bringing us to a table. It's amazing if you think about the disciples' journey from this point where Jesus first selected them and invited them into a relationship with them, all the things that they had experienced to that point. They experienced, they experienced the, the wine, uh, the water being turned into wine in John chapter 2 at the wedding at Cana. They, they experienced miracle after miracle. They experienced Jesus showing up to the woman who was caught in adultery and telling every uh, a lawyer and every Pharisee who was ready to stone to drop their stones. They experienced uh, the woman at the well who had been married five times and, 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 and they experienced Jesus meeting her and saying, I have food to eat that you, do not, that you do not know of. My food is to do the will of God and to accomplish what he sent me to do. They experienced, they, they experienced uh, Lazarus being raised from the dead. They experienced uh, Mary worshiping at his feet in the, in the splendor and so many other miracles, the blind being uh, given their sight, the lame being beginning to walk again, paralytics healed, the message of the gospel going to those that it had not reached before. Peter himself had his own mother-in-law healed of her fever. It, he was touching their lives in a personal way, and then they were also seeing the things that he was moving, the promise of God as Messiah being sent to us, being fulfilled before their eyes. They, they knew the kingdom. They thought that the Roman government was about to be overthrown. They, they knew that something significant was happening. 
happening in the eyes of God. And then Jesus, he's beginning to tell them of things that are to come. And he's, the tone is set in John chapter 13. And he says that knowing that his hour had come to depart them, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. I started thinking about that, how this is a turning point in the narrative. If you, if you think about your own life and those before and afters, you know, now we get to see the photos on social media. We get to see the before and after photos of the transformation that takes place when we make a commitment to either uh, of commit on a diet or we, work or we focus on getting our body and, and better health and we see the before and after and every, everybody gets to see those. But what we don't see is the actual process that it takes to get from the before to the after. And I know that the, that process is always painful. And many of you can attest to that. There's a lot of pain and there's suffering and there's grueling. There's commitment that has to take in that process. And I, I was thinking about, uh, I've been talking lately and on Friday, Reagan and I were doing uh, some premarital counseling with a couple. It's something that's in our heart to do. We don't know all the answers. We're just getting started, but we, we love to encourage and speak life and help have conversations around the things that you can, that a couple needs to talk about going into marriage and really just surround them with an environment of blessing. And so as we were talking, I was sharing that I've, I've, we've only been married. We'll be two years next, uh, next month. But uh, I've, I've been thinking recently that it's hard for me to remember what life was like before her. Any, anybody else ever uh, have trouble thinking about that, like the, the goodness that God has given you and uh, what God has added to your life, that it's hard to remember what it's li- it was like before uh, your spouse or you can even take it to before your children. Now you get into all the hustle and bustle of life that it's hard to, it's hard to remember what life was, was like before your children arrived and before you were nurturing and nourishing them. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Those before and afters in our life. And you can think about it with people. You can think about it with events in your, in your life, events that take place, decisions, hard decisions that you have to make. Some of those things that you have control of and some of those things that you have no control of. And that's what it's like for these disciples right here. They, they have no control of the purpose that God has for his son, Jesus. And they think it's going to end one way, but it's really going to end a whole nother way. And how this must have taken them by surprise after they had left everything. They had left their families. They had left their businesses. They had left their homes to pursue Jesus and go after the call and purpose of God. And yet here they find themselves, what in the world is going on here, Jesus? And maybe you've been asking that question in terms of uh, your life here in, in the church. Or maybe you're watching online and you've been asking that question, not just with the life of Four Points Church, but with everything that's been going on the, in the world. God, what, is this the way it's going to end? Is, what in the world is going on here? Can, can, can you help me find my bearings just a little bit? And so what God has impressed on my heart over these next few weeks is to speak life into your soul care for your soul and to charge your spirit in a pastoral and in a prophetic way and for you to be able to embrace a new beginning and in that in-between where the process has maybe been grueling for the last several months or the last year or year and a half, whatever that case may be, that in that process you understand that God is after something so much more than just what it looks like. 
there's another narrative. There's a narrative of heaven that goes above every narrative that there is in the earth. There's a narrative that's above COVID. There's a narrative that's above mask or no mask. There's a narrative that's above turmoil and trauma. There's a narrative that's above any conflict or transition. There, there's a narrative, a story that heaven is telling that he's wanting to engage us in. But are we willing to take that step and go there? And I, I believe that over these next few weeks, we have that opportunity to do so. I want to dive into this thought here. He loved them to the end. He loved them to the end. For there to be a before and after, there has to be an end to something, right? Something in your life has to come to an end. Sometimes we come to ends, E-N-D, I know it, it, my, my dialect is funny, uh, but ends, E-N-D-S. Can we put ends up on the screen? I think I had a slide. Ends, that's it, ends, all right? To, to have that. To, to, to know that we have to come to an end to certain things in our life. And there's some things sometimes God has to stop in order for us to start to t catch wind of what he's really up to. Maybe we've been missing it for a little bit. And so he has to interrupt and interject himself. And sometimes it's in the most uncomfortable and painful ways. Uh, I, I, I'm trying not to devolve so much of, of my story and journey over the last year. But this is, I'm preaching to you out of the process of how God has ministered to me and my wife in our hearts over the last year with some of the tough transitions that we've had to make. And it was abrupt. It was all of a sudden. It, was, it came to us out of nowhere. But God has been faithful through the process and bring us to a new beginning. And he put a hope in our heart for a new beginning. You have to have an end, and there has to be a new beginning and there has to be an in-between. A lot of times the in-between comes to us as a crisis. It comes to us in a circumstance that maybe we didn't want that's inconvenient. It comes to us through a cross. And that cross, that circumstance, that crisis, the enemy tries to use to paralyze us. Is anybody hearing me today? The enemy tries to use to paralyze us, to silence us, to trap us, to make us lose heart, and to keep us from engaging our all in a life with God. And he, the, the scripture says here in John 13, 1, he loved his own who were in the world and he loved them to the end. And it made me ask, to what end did he love them? To what end? To, to what end did he love the disciples that were in this room, at this table, eating with the Passover lamb, the lamb of God slain before the foundation of the world, that he was up to something that they did not know anything about and that they could not understand until they went through a real-life process where it became real to them, and it wasn't just hearsay, it wasn't just hype, it wasn't just something exciting, but it was in the turmoil of the, of the crisis. It was in the turmoil of the cross. It was in the turmoil of the circumstance that God revealed to them the resurrection power of God to give a new beginning to anyone that came to an end at any moment. And I've discovered in my life at the many ends that I've come to, I've never come 
to the end of Christ's love. Having loved his own who was in the world, he loved them to the end. I want to tell you today, whatever end you are facing, whatever thing, whatever thing is coming to an end in your life, let it end and let Christ love you there. Let him love you through it. Let him walk you through it. Let him reveal himself in a way that he hasn't, be, that he hasn't before. Let him be the bread of life. Let him be the let him be the the the, uh, the the protection for your feet. Let him be the living water. Let him be the fire within you. Let him be the lamb slain. Let him be your supply, the abundant supply for all of your needs according to his riches and glory. Let him be faithful beyond what you can imagine, beyond what you can compare. Let let his mercy begin to be like he says, unfailing, unending mercy that comes and triumph over judgment. Let his grace abound where sin is, is on a rampage. Let, let the grace of God and the reality of the love of Christ come to you in a new and fresh way. Well, to, to what end did he love them? He loved them to the end of their, let's just, let's just think of those 12. Judas betrayed him. He loved them to the end of their betrayal. Yeah, he, he washed Judas's feet too. Judas took, partook of the bread and of the wine as a symbol of his blood and the symbol of his body. Judas partook with him. So he loved, he loved them to the end of their betrayal. Uh, Peter denied him three times, remember? Peter followed at a distance and then denied him. He, he, he loves us to the end of our denial. Uh, uh, nine of them scattered, right? They, they ran when, when, the, when the soldiers came to get Jesus in the garden because they didn't know the full extent was happening. They, the nine of them ran and they scattered and they went their separate ways because they ran in fear. And so he loves us to the end of our fear. He loves us to the end that we scatter to when, when life happens and we don't know our bearings. He, and then John, John walked all the way to the cross with him and was at the foot of the cross when he was saying the final words, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Into your hands I commit my spirit. He, loved the, he loves us to the end that we're loyal. He loves us to the end of our rebellion. He loves us to the end of our sin, to our trauma, to all of the things that we walk through in life. He loves us when we, when, when we, when we fall, fallen in, in our shortcomings. He loves us when we've retaliated against a brother and against a sister in Christ. He loves us when our heart becomes hard and our heart becomes cold because of the things that we've went through. And the enemy is distorting our heart and our faith and questioning the intent of God for our life and his church. He loves us there. There's no place that you can go where Christ doesn't love you. But you have to be able to turn to him in that moment of crucifixion, in that moment of crisis, in that tough circumstance and say, God, I want to see you in a new way. And I know that you are the resurrection, but I need that resurrection to be real in my life right now. I know that all things have passed away and new things have come and that every man that is in Christ is a new creation. I know that, that you want to do a new thing and that you want it to spring up, but God, I need it to be real. I don't need it to be in my thought. I don't need it to be an idea or a theory. I need it to be the person of Jesus. Jesus on my scene is standing with me, present with me to walk me through and reveal his love to me. Anybody, uh, anybody testify to that? Anybody say at the, 
the end that I've come to? Is it, a, is it an end that you've come to in your, in your marriage and it seems like it's a barrier that you can't overcome? Is there an end that you've come to, an impasse that you've come to with your children and you don't know the next thing, what, what, what to try anymore? You've tried everything. And, and, and is there an impasse in your health? Is, is there an impasse in your relationships? Is there an impasse where you're questioning the plan and the purpose of God for your life? Where are you today? What end have you come to? And the word of God is coming to you, say, wherever you are, I love you there. And it may seem like I don't just for a moment, but I love you there. Do I end the end of self, the end of saying, God, endorse my dysfunction. I know that you're not, oh, oh God, instead of you endorsing my dysfunction, I want you to transform my dysfunction. And, and God, I, I, I lay down my agenda. I lay, I lay down my opinions. I lay down my romanization of, of the gospel and, and walking after you. I, 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 to every end, he loves me. I think one of life's greatest questions for us and a great need of our soul is this question, what will my end be? What will my end be? What will become of me? Where's this thing heading? What's it going to mean for who I am? I believe that's one of life's essential questions. And sometimes we come to those moments and those circumstances in life that it feels like God's done with me here. God's finished with me here. What will my end be? What will your end be? The great thing about the hope of the gospel is that he shows us to every end that we come to that it's a chance to, uh, for a new beginning when we embrace Christ in that moment. When we, when we embrace him, where we come to the end of ourselves. anybody ever been at that broken place, that bottom place, that place of despair where you didn't know the next step or the where hope would come from and Jesus just shows up. A word of encouragement comes to you. Come into the house of God, and there's a word that God has given somebody to speak that is just for you. There's, there's worship that's, that's being filled up, and you begin just to release praise in the moment, and God meets you there. Or, or you start to get hungry for him in the secret place and seek him like you never have before, and God meets you there. But that, that's what he does. That's what he's, that's what he's known for. Through all the scattering, betrayal, denial, loyal, the, the every disciple in this room needed Jesus to go to the cross the same. And, and that's what I like to think of when you think of heaven's narrative. I think it's good to consider when you're going through hard circumstances, just as a starting place for compassion, is to say it could have been me. Apart from the grace and mercy of God, it could have been me. Put that into any, I'm not going to walk through every scenario. There's many going through my head. But put that, just put that, it could have been me. Before, before you cast a stone, before you make a judgment, just say, it could have been me. It could have been me. And, and all, every disciple, we've we got a room full of disciples here today. We've got disciples watching online. Every disciple, each one of us needed Jesus to go to the cross the same. Even the loyal person in me, even the righteous person in me, the, the self-righteousness, you know, the loyalty of John, needed Jesus to go to the cross the same that Judas did, the same that Peter did, 
The same that the nine who ran did. And if we look around the room and just look at the faces here and you think about the world out there who doesn't have the hope of Jesus and doesn't know the least, the lost, and the lonely, who will tell them of a Savior who who went to the cross for them regardless of whatever end they find themselves in that Jesus loves them there? Who will be the ones to go except the ones that have experienced it themselves? They had to walk through. In fact, Jesus knew that they had to go through this experience if their witness was going to be real, if it was going to be true, if there was going to be power in their testimony, if it wasn't just going to be something they learned or something that they heard, but it had to be something that they saw with their own eyes. And when they were in fear after the death, does, does, our, does our journey with Jesus for two and a half years, does it, does it end in death? Does it end in a grave? Does it end at a cross? Or what, what, what is going on here? Is everything that we left, is everything that we went after him for, was it worth it at all? And they go and lock themselves in a room. And Jesus comes through those doors because you know what I want to minister to you today? Is that it wasn't that their experience of fellowship with God, their communion, of seeing his miracles, his power, his works, the love of God on display had come to an end. He went to the cross so that everything that would hinder that would come to an end. And I come to speak a word over your life today and into your heart and your soul to say whatever end you're coming to, it's, it's there so that God can end everything that has hindered you in your life with God. Everything that has hindered you, everything that has come as opposition to you, as you've tried, as you walk after God and pursue his call and his purpose, every disciple will have an opportunity to stop following him. We'll have multiple opportunities throughout our life to stop following him. And that's everything the enemy wants to do, but Jesus wants us to take that step further, embrace his love in those moments, and let him create a new beginning and let us overcome everything that would hinder us in our life with God. You receive that word right there? This isn't the way that it's supposed to end. Maybe you've thought that about the way God's brought you to Four Points Church. Maybe you've thought that personally. We can't be going out like this. It ends in a cross. How can you learn Christ's love but at a table, a cross, a resurrection, and an upper room? Jesus is showing his love to them here in John 13, 1, at a table. And then the next step that he has to reveal their love is at the, at the reveal his love for them is at the cross. Have you embraced Christ's love for you at the cross? Everything that they had at the table, they would have on the other side of the cross. The cross was an end. It was the end to the old covenant. It was the end to the people having to bring a sacrifice for sin. It was an end to the priest having to access once a year and somebody tie a bell to their garments in case, they, in case the glory of God fell on them and something happened and even they died, they could at least pull them out of the presence of God without going in there themselves. It was an end to the old covenant. It was an end to the veil that kept us from seeing the fullness of God's glory. It was, it was an end to us being trapped in sin 
and, and in the knowledge of good and evil. And, and it was the tree of the cross became the tree of life where now we can pass through it and experience resurrection life. That there's an empty tomb, that it wasn't an end, it was a new beginning. That Jesus had to go to the cross and reveal his love so that a new covenant could be established. Where the imperishable blood of the unblemished lamb would be poured out as provision so that we can access God at any moment, at any time when we call upon his name. That anyone who believes that Jesus is the son of God in his heart and confesses with his mouth, they shall be saved and have eternal life. He's bringing us to now, we're not living in the confinements and we're not living in the hindrances and we're not having to jump through the loopholes. Now through the precious name of Christ and the blood of Christ that was shed for us, his body offered up for us, we have access into a new and living way, into a new covenant that he has established, into a new beginning. I'm preaching strong. I want you to capture that in your heart. Are you living in the, in, in the provision that God has given you in Christ? Are you? Are you living fully? I, I can tell you straight up, I haven't been. <laughs> My last year has been tough. I can tell you I've been trying to, and I've been going to Christ, and I've been letting him minister to me, and some days are easier than other days. Some days there's like a wall right there, but as I keep going to Christ, he keeps unlocking it. He keeps healing me. He keeps showing me something. He keeps pouring his grace, grace to grace. Are you willing to go there with him? Are you willing to go into those levels of pain and those levels of hurt that the enemy wants to use to hinder you and lock you out of the fullness of God's plan for your life? Or are you willing to go there with Jesus and let him one by one take care of them? Are you willing to go to him as long as it takes? Are you willing to be like Thomas when there's doubts there to say, I got to stick my, I, 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 don't, I don't beat up Thomas because I'm with him. Like, I, I need to stick my hand, I need it to be real. I need to see it with my own eyes. I don't, I don't want this hearsay thing. I don't want just the idea of a Savior or resurrected Savior. I want the real deal Holyfield. But I have to be willing to go there and when Christ appears to stick my hand, he, his scars show that he knows my pain. His scars show me that he's been there, that he can be trusted as a great high priest. What he had to reveal at the, at the cross, and this is the other question of our soul, we ask, we need to ask ourselves, and maybe this, you've thought this, but maybe haven't verbalized it. I think another great need of our soul is to question who or what is worthy of my all. What is worthy of my all? Surely the disciples were thinking this, right? I gave my all to this, man. I left it all for this. Peter said at one point, to, to whom shall we go? <laughs> We've left everything to follow you. We journey in life to be able to discover someone or something that is worthy of our all. Don't you desire that? To be able to give my all to something. There's so much worthiness that is in this. And why would we give our all for something if he didn't first give us his, give, give his all for us? That's why the cross is necessary. That's why in moments of crisis, in conflicting circumstances, 
and at crossroads in our life. That's why they are necessary, because they let us see how sufficient that, that, that he is enough for us, that he can meet every need of our heart, our mind, our soul, our strength, emotional need, every, every need he can meet us there. And he's sufficient. He's more, he's more than enough. And you, you, you don't learn that personally, but by a cross. You don't learn that personally, but by a moment of crucifixion. I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live to glory in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. I will gladly give my all. And that's the battle I've been in, y'all. I, that's the battle I've been in. It's, God, I want to give you my all, but I feel these restraints and these hindrances that are just wanting to pull me back. I don't want to get hurt like that. I don't t- want to take the risk again. But by the grace of God, I, as, I, as I pray and I go to him, he begins to let, allow me to offer my all. And he, 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 because he gave his all for me, he empowers me to, to give my all for him. And it lets me know that he desires my all. That he went to the cross so that he could have my all. So that, would, so that he, would, he paid the price that was required so that all people for all time could have access into the abundant life of Christ. He desires my all. And he expresses it by giving his all. And that's the thing I want you to hear in your soul today and in your heart. That Christ gave his all for you. All right, you just had that thought. Yeah, he did for the person sitting next to me or across the aisle from me, but not for me. No, I'm telling you, he, he gave his all for you, for each one of us. He gave his all for each one of us so that we would be able to know that he receives our all when we offer it to him. Our all has worth to him. That's pretty transformative. It is for me. I don't know about you, but to know that, Man, all, when I think of all, right, I'm thinking of my slip-ups. I'm thinking of those moments when I was scattered. I'm thinking of those rebellious moments I've had, my shortcomings. I'm thinking of those hard moments that I've endured relationally with people that I love. I'm thinking of all of those moments at the same time. I'm thinking of the gifts that God has given me, the way he has wired me, the way he's made me to be. I'm thinking of the gift of his righteousness. I'm, I'm thinking of, of my personality, my passion. My, I used to be apologetic about being intense. I, I just can't help it. It's the way God made me. It's the way I go after a thing. It's the way that I give my all towards something. And I, 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 would, rather, I would rather be seen as intense and do what God has showed me to do and give my all to it than anything else. How has God wired you? And being able to offer your all. We all have our weird things, right? You have our weird little things, you know, I, I slurp the milk when I'm eating the cereal and Reagan looks at me like, what are you doing over there, you mule? You know, we, we got weird things like that. But we also, we have all those, those little layers of who we are and God wants all of it. That's why, that's why he goes to Peter and asks him, do you love me three times? To restore him to that place of relationship. Who or what is worthy of my all? And you don't get to answer that question truthfully without having an in-between moment after an impasse. That's what God has given us an opportunity in the life of his church, in the life of Four Points Church, in our own individual journey with God, in the world that we live in today, 
A lot of things are changing. It can be confusing. It can be hard to get our bearings. But Christ is the same. And if we're willing to go to that end with him, embrace him, and offer him our all, oh, you're not ready for a new beginning until you're ready to give all. Don't pretend. Don't pretend. That's why we've had to choose obedience over opportunity. We've had to choose obedience over the opinions of others. We've had to choose obedience over the obstacles and the opposition that we face. You've got to do the same thing. I'm not ready for a new opportunity until I'm ready to say fully in, the, in my heart before God, I'm giving you my all. And I'll tell you right here, after a year's time, I told you this is a significant moment for me. In a year's time, I'm ready to say, God, I'm, I'm giving you my all. I don't care what it means. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what it requires of me. There's no one else that is worthy of my all. After all that I've been through, I still know there's a God who loves me and sent his son for me, was crucified for me. And I learned his love at a cross, and now I can learn his love at the resurrection. <laughs> That's a whole nother level. He takes us from a table to a cross to a resurrection. And now I know his love for me there. And I know that his life, that death cannot stop him. That there is no hindrance to the plan of God. Let me give you these quick points right here because my time is running thin. Let me give you these quick points. You can write these down, take a picture of them, whatever. But when you're positioning yourself for a new beginning, you have to know that God's word is true. You have to know that God's word is true, and you have to have a humility and re- attitude of humility and repentance. This is when you say, it could have been me. This is when you take responsibility for, for where you are. This is where you look at the moments where, where, uh, where you have fallen or where you've drifted away. And this is the moment where you turn. It's that turning point. And you get your eyes back on Jesus. See, that's, that's what that end does. That's people who make it through those impasses in life because the impasses could not deter their vision of a Savior who loves them away. It could, not take, it could take from them a lot of things in the material and natural world, but it could not take from them that supernatural reality and the revelation of Christ that they had through walking with him. It could not take it away. And if you won't let the events of your life steal your heart and your love away from Jesus, then you're on your way to a new beginning. But you're going to have to practice humility and repentance every day. And repentance is not just this, I'm sorry and I'm guilty and I'm trying to remember all my sins. That's not what it is. Repentance is the goodness of God leads me to repentance. So repentance is I'm mindful of your goodness. And God, I'm turning away from all this other stuff. And I'm turning my eyes toward your goodness so that I can walk into. Because what he's really after, what he's really after is your transformation. He's not after you playing it safe all your life. He's not after you not having anything bad or evil that you ever have to walk through. He's after your transformation. He's wanting the character of Christ to be formed in you. Man, that should give us joy. Because there's nothing like it. When those circumstances of life don't bother you like they used to. Because of what Christ has done in you. When you don't have to respond cursing for cursing. Because of what he's done in you. I can bless those who curse me. Because now Christ has transformed me, and I'm no longer what I used to be. The before and after is different. We have, you have to know your cross to bear. You have to know that grace is not partial. 
makes you have to ask who gets it. How, how do they get it? How, how do we give grace? grace? Grace is impartial. Grace is found in the person of Jesus to anyone who would come to him. Know your cross to bear. And sometimes you have to go to that cross alone. Peter was sifted at one cross and he was hung upside down at another because he did not view himself as worthy to die in the same position that Jesus did. Oh yeah, he gave his all. And Jesus received his all. We have to know that we all need Jesus to go to the cross the same and we need to be crucified with Christ the same. We, we need to know that blessing and cursing cannot come from the same spring. And we have to make up in our mind that we're going to be a blessing. We have to be devoted to prayer. We have to have a commitment that's greater than our attempt. We have to, we have, to have another narrative. Choose a greater narrative. Don't, don't go into the narrative that the world is saying about everything. There's a heavenly narrative. There's a narrative that comes through the person of Jesus Christ that frees us and open it. It means I, I've, I've prayed this over and over for a year and a half. God, help me to live above the narrative of the world and help me to be ahead of it. I'm not falling into, the, I'm not falling into those narratives because people that are in one side of the narrative or the other, I need to be able to be in position to bless them. I need to be in position to serve them, to speak life to them, and I don't want to lose my witness over anything. I've experienced something with Jesus. I've experienced something of his love and of his power that I want others to experience and to be a witness, speak life and serve others. That's what Jesus was bringing them to. On the other side of the cross in Acts 1-8, they're gathered in the upper room after Jesus says, you shall be my witness to all the ends of the earth, to every end, to every end that you go to every single day in your home, in your workplace, where your errands take you, where your obligations take you, where your commitments take you, everywhere you go, you are a witness. Is your, can you go in this moment of impasse for a transformative witness of the power of God to you personally and go to uh, God I want you to be more real I want the life of your son to be more real in me than it ever has before because I, I, want, I gotta be like Peter and John I, I can't stop speaking about what I've seen and heard it's real to me this isn't a game. I'm not playing church. I'm not playing follow along and check the Christian box. I'm going after Jesus with all of my heart. And he called me to be a witness to every end of the earth. And then he, see, he reveals his love to them. He promised them. And when I go to the Father, I will send you another helper. And that helper will remind you of everything that I've told you. And he will clothe you with power to be my witnesses to every end of the earth. So he brings us, his love is revealed at a table in John 13, 1, at a cross. And then it's revealed at the crucifixion. And then in the upper room, he reveals his love even more and takes it a step further. So you can never come to the end of his love. The Holy Spirit is poured out without measure upon us. And God, I pray right now in the name of Jesus for anybody, anybody that's embracing a new beginning, anybody that feels a pull or an expectation for a new beginning in your life, I invite you to stand to your feet right now. And I pray over your life. I pray over every person standing. God, I thank you for new beginnings. I thank you for an outpouring of your spirit that brings us to a new revelation of the life-given love of Christ. 
that whatever end we find ourselves, you love us there. Oh, God, come on in. Come on in. Come on in closer, oh, God. Come on in. Reveal yourself. Show us your face, oh, God. We ask that you would give the power for a new beginning. We ask that resurrection, yes. I need somebody to agree with me that believes in the power of prayer, in the anointing of the Holy Spirit. I need somebody right now to believe with me as I pray these things. Now, we ask that you would cause that the the outpouring of your spirit would meet each person, that there would be rivers of living water. We ask that everything that has hindered them in their life with you will be broken right now in Jesus' name. We ask ask that you would reveal yourself personally, even as Paul prayed. Let the eyes of their heart be enlightened. Let them know the hope of your calling. Let them know the surpassing greatness of your power towards them who believe. Let them know the the riches of your inheritance in them. Oh God, we ask ask you, oh Lord, to make them a convincing witness because you were never after a crowd. You were after a kingdom community that was convinced of the life-given love of Jesus Christ and who would share with the world around them to every end that they go so that you would redeem us and bring resurrection life. As we lose ourselves in worship, I speak this blessing over your life from Psalm chapter 90. Oh, satisfy us in the morning with thy loving kindness, that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. Make us glad according to the days thou hast afflicted us and the years that we have seen evil. Let thy work appear to your servants and your majesty to your children. And let the favor, oh yes, right there. Let the favor of the Lord be upon us. And do confirm for us the work of our hands. Yes, confirm the work of our hands. Confirm the work of Four Points Church and everything that represents. Pour out your favor, oh God, we pray. We embrace heaven today. In Jesus' name, amen.